Good morning, Sunship. Oh, sorry. Has anyone else joined the call? Okay, great. Good morning, One Ship, Sunship, and welcome to A Course in Miracles daily reading conference call, where we read from the original edition of ACIM, which is published by Course in Miracles Society. Today, we are in the manual for teachers. We are reading section four, paragraphs one through ten, and you can access the original edition by going to jcim.net, and on the menu bar, on the third line, you'll see online edition. We gather Monday through Friday from 9.15 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we read each paragraph two times until we are finished with our assignment. After that, we open up the floor for sharing, and we say, um, we share, we say our name, and we're done. We let everyone know by saying, I am complete. We also invite our daily workbook lesson, 337, into our study today. My sinlessness protects me from all harm. And finally, we ask that you mute your phone at all times unless you're speaking by using your own mute function. So has anyone joined the call um, that would like to get on the reading list or say hello? Uh, good morning, Ms. Mary. Hi, Mary. I can read. Great. All right. So we have listening Anne. Welcome. Bryce, Fran, Harrison, two drivers out of that list. And then in order, we're going to go Paula, Lee, Sharon, Josie, Carl, and Mary. And in this holy of all instances, I'm going to turn the call over to Sharon for morning prayer. Sharon? Thanks, Chris. Dear Brother Jesus, today you teach us about the qualities of the advanced teachers of God. You tell us, their trust, honesty, tolerance, gentleness, joy, defenselessness, generosity, patience, faithfulness, and open-mindedness. You must place, you must have placed the first one as trust because it is the groundwork upon which all other traits can be built. As a teacher of God advances, we discover that the world is perfectly safe. Therefore, in this cradle of safety and openness, we can receive God's abundant blessings and breathe life into the wonderful qualities he describes. They become our own and we come into our true nature, we then can experience the wonder of the forgiven world. So after you list trust, you describe honesty. You define it as consistency, saying, quote, there is nothing you say that contradicts what you think or do. We are then in perfect integrity with ourselves and our God. At no level are they in conflict with themselves. Therefore, it is impossible for them to be in conflict with anyone or anything. Quote, the peace, the peace of mind which the advanced teachers of God experience 
is largely due to their perfect honesty. Unquote. As advanced teachers, we come to live in the amazing beauty of our forgiven world. Tolerance follows. I understand that trust and honesty help us move into the grace of total and complete acceptance of all our brothers and sisters. We don't judge others because we've dropped the belief that they deceive us. And this can happen as we learn to not deceive ourselves. We see that we are holy children of God and that this is true of everyone else. And all the nameless discoveries we make in learning what it means to be a holy child of God. From this we acquire the ability to be truly gentle. For gentleness comes when we know our perfect safety and feel the incredible love that is within us. From gentleness comes the gift of joy. You tell us that, quote, gentleness means that fear is now impossible and that you could come and what could come to interfere with joy. The open hands of gentleness are always filled. The gentle have no plan, have no pain. They cannot suffer. Why would they not be joyous? They are sure they are beloved and must be safe. Unquote. When we feel totally safe, we can let down our defenses, and thus we experience the sixth trait you list, which is defenselessness. Your words are so wonderful. You say, quote, their joy comes from their understanding who created them. And does what God created need defense? No one can become an advanced teacher of God until he fully understands that defenses are but the foolish guardians of mad illusions, unquote. You say, quote, it is not danger that comes when defenses are laid down. It is safety. It is peace. It is joy. And it is God. Quote, I love this. From here, generosity, patience, faithfulness, open-mindedness, all of these spring easily. It is becoming more clear what lays ahead of me. I am inspired and drawn forward and more willing just knowing this. Thank you so much for explaining all of this to us. I know that all things that rise to meet me, be they challenges or pleasure, they are all here for my benefit. They all are part of my personal curriculum and can teach me that I am blessed in every moment as I learn to trust, to open to your wonderful guidance. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Brother Jesus. What a brilliant and wonderful future we have ahead of us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sharon. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Yeah. Beautiful prayer. Mm-hmm. 
What are the characteristics of God's teachers? The surface traits of God's teachers are not all alike. They do not look alike to the body's eyes, and they come from different backgrounds. Their experiences of the world vary greatly, and their superficial personalities are quite distinct. Nor at the beginning of stages of their functioning as teachers of God have they yet acquired the deeper characteristics that will establish them as what they are. God gives special gifts to his teachers because they have a special role in his plan for atonement. Their specialness is, of course, only temporary, set in time as a means of leading out of time. These special gifts, born in the holy relationship toward which the teaching-learning situation is geared, become characteristic of all teachers of God who have advanced in their own learning, and in this respect, they are all alike. Paula, one and two, please. The surface traits of God's teachers are not all alike. They do not look alike to the body's eyes. They come from vastly different backgrounds. Their experiences of the world vary greatly, and their superficial, quote, personalities are quite distinct. Nor at the beginning stages of their functioning as teachers of God have they as yet acquired the deeper characteristics that will establish them as what they are. God gives special gifts to his teachers because they have a special role in his plan for atonement. Their specialness is, of course, only temporary, set in time as a means of leading out of time. Their special gifts, born in the holy relationship towards which the teaching-learning situation is geared, become characteristic of all teachers of God who have advanced in their own learning. In this respect, they are all alike, too. All differences among the teachers of God are temporary. Nevertheless, in time, it can be said that the advanced teachers of God have the following characteristics. Thank you, Paula. Lee, two and three, please. Lee, are you on mute? I was, thank you. Okay. All differences among the sons of God are temporary. Nevertheless, in time, it can be said that the advanced teachers of God have the following characteristics. Trust. Paragraph 3. This is the foundation on which their ability to fulfill their function rests. Perception is the result of learning. In fact, perception is learning because cause and effect are never separated. The teachers of God have trust in the world because they have learned it is not governed by the laws the world made up. It is governed by a power which is in them but not of them. It is this power that keeps all things safe. It is through this power that the teachers of God look on a forgiven world. Thank you, Lee. Sharon, three and four, please. 
trust. This is the foundation on which their ability to fulfill their function rests. Perception is a result of learning. In fact, perception is learning because cause and effect are never separated. The teachers of God have trust in the world because they have learned it is not governed by the laws the world made up. It is governed by a power which is in them, but not of them. It is this power that keeps all things safe. It is through this power that teachers of God look on a forgiven world. When this power has once been experienced, it is impossible to trust one's own petty strength again. Who would attempt to fly with the tiny wings of a sparrow when the mighty power of an eagle has been given him? And who would place his faith in the shabby offerings of the ego? Sorry. And who would place his faith in the shabby offerings of the ego when the gifts of God are laid before him? What is it that induces them to make a shift? Thanks, Sharon. Josie, four and five, please. When this power has once been experienced, it is impossible to trust one's own petty strength again. Who would attempt to fly with the tiny wings of a sparrow when the mighty power of an eagle has been given him? And who would place his faith in the shabby offerings of the ego when the gifts of God are laid before him? What is it that induces them to make the shift? Five. First, they must go through what might be called a, quote, period of undoing. This need not be painful, but it, is, but it usually is so experienced. It seems as if things are being taken away and is rarely understood initially that their lack of value is merely being recognized. How can lack of value be perceived unless the perceiver is in a position where he must see things in a different light? He is not yet at a point at which he can make the shift entirely internally. And so the plan will sometimes call for changes in what seem to be external circumstances. These changes are always helpful. When the teacher of God has learned that much, he goes on to the second stage. Thank you, Josie. Carl, five and six, please. First, they must go through what is called 
a period of undoing. This need not be painful, but it usually is so experienced. It seems as, as if things are being taken away, and it is rarely understood initially that their lack of value is merely being recognized. How can lack of value be perceived unless the perceiver is in a position where he must see things in a different light? He is not yet at a point at which he can make the shift entirely internally. And so the plan will sometimes call for changes in what seems to be external circumstances. These changes are always helpful. When the teacher of God has learned that much, he goes on to the second stage. Paragraph 6. Next, the teacher of God must go through a period of sorting out. This is always somewhat difficult because having learned that the changes in his life are always helpful, he must now decide all things on the basis of whether they increase the helpful helpfulness or hamper it. He will find that many, if not most of the things he valued before, will merely hinder him, will merely hinder his ability to transfer what he has learned to new situations as they arise. Because he has valued what is really valueless, he will not generalize the lesson for fear of loss and sacrifice. It takes great learning to understand that all things, events, encounters, and circumstances are helpful. It is only to the extent to which they are helpful that any degree of reality should be accorded them in this world of illusion. The word, the word value, can apply to nothing else. Thank you, Carl. Mary, six and seven, please. Next, the teacher of God must go through a period of sorting out. This is always somewhat difficult because having learned that the changes in his life are always helpful, he must now decide all things on the basis of whether they increase the helpfulness, or hamper it. He will find that many, if not most, of the things he valued before will merely hinder his ability to transfer what he has learned to new situations as they arise. Because he has valued what is really valueless, he will not generalize the lesson for fear of loss and sacrifice. It takes great learning to understand that all things, events, encounters, and circumstances are helpful. It is only to the extent to which they are helpful that any degree of reality should be accorded them in this world of illusion. The word value can apply to nothing else. Seven, the third stage through which the teachers of God must go can be called a, quote, period of relinquishment. If this is interpreted 
as giving up the desirable, it will engender enormous conflict. Few teachers of God escape this distress entirely. There is, however, no point in sorting out the valuable from the valueless unless the next obvious step is taken. The third step is rarely, if ever, begun until the second is complete. Therefore, the period of overlap is apt to be one in which the teacher of God feels called upon to sacrifice his own best interests on behalf of truth. He has not realized as yet how wholly impossible such a demand would be. He can learn this only as he actually does give up the valueless. Through this, he learns that where he anticipated grief, he finds a happy lightheartedness instead. Where he thought something was asked of him, he finds a gift bestowed on him. Thank you, Mary. So do we have a new reader, please, for 7 and 8? All right, Paula, you're up. 7 and 8, please. Go ahead. I was going to say, this is Ann. I can try. Terrific. Thanks, Ann. Go ahead. (laughs) The third stage through which the teachers of God must go can be called a period of relinquishment. If this is interpreted as giving up the desirable, it will engender enormous conflict. Few teachers of God escape this distress entirely. This is, however, no point in there is no, there is, however, no point in sorting out the valuable from the valueless unless the next obvious step is taken. The third step is rarely... I'm sorry. The third step is rarely, if ever, begun until the second is complete. Therefore, the period of overlap is apt to be one in which the teacher of God feels called upon to sacrifice his own best interests on behalf of truth. He has not realized as yet how wholly impossible such a demand would be. He can learn this only as he actually does give up the valueless. Through this, he learns that where he anticipated grief he finds a happy lightheartedness instead. Where he thought something was asked of him, he finds a gift bestowed on him. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Now comes a period of settling down. This is a quiet time in which the teacher of God rests a while in reasonable peace. Now he consolidates his learning. Now he begins to see the transfer value of what he has learned. Its potential is literally staggering, and the teacher of God is now at the point in his progress at which he sees in it his whole way out. 
Give up what you do not want. I'm sorry. And keep what you do. How simple is the obvious and how easy to do. The teacher of God needs this period of respite, respite. He has not yet come as far as he thinks. Yet when he is ready to go on, (laughs) yay, he goes with mighty companions beside him. Now he rests a while and gathers them before going on. He will not go on from here alone. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Anne. Paula, 8 and 9, please. Can I just interrupt? I know this is untraditional, but uh, I just got to say, Anne, how much a blessing it was to hear you read that. And I feel you, and I'm so grateful for your presence. I just have to say that. I feel so much love coming through your voice. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Thank you, my brother. You speak for several of us, Bryce. Uh, Agreed. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Anne. (laughs) Okay, Paula. Now comes a quote period of settling down. This is a quiet time in which the teacher of God rests a while in reasonable peace. Now he consolidates his learning. Now he begins to see the transfer value of what he has learned. Its potential is literally staggering, and the teacher of God is now at the point in his progress at at which he sees in it his whole way out. Quote, Give up what you do not want and keep what you do, unquote. How simple is the obvious and how easy to do. The teacher of God needs this period of respite. He has not yet come as far as he thinks. Yet when he is ready to go on, he goes with mighty companions beside him. Now he rests a while and gathers them before going on. He will not go on from here alone. 9. The next stage is indeed a, quote, period of unsettling. Now must the teacher of God understand that he did not really know what was valuable and what was valueless. All that he really learned so far was that he did not want the valueless and that he did not want the valuable. Yet his own sorting out was meaningless in teaching him the difference. The idea of sacrifice, so central to his thought system, had made it impossible for him to judge. He thought he had learned willingness, but now he sees that he does not know what the willingness is for, and now he must attain a state that may remain impossible for a long, long time. He must learn to lay lay all judgment aside and ask only what he really wants in every circumstance. We're not each step, we're not each step in this direction so heavily reinforced. It would be hard indeed. Thank you, Paula. Lee, on 9 and 10, please. The next stage is indeed a period of unsettling. 
Now must the teacher of God understand that he did not really know what was valuable and what was valueless. All that he really learned so far was that he did not want the valueless and that he did want the valuable. Yet his own sorting out was meaningless in teaching him the difference. Let me read that again. Yet his own sorting out was meaningless in teaching him the difference. The idea of sacrifice, so central to his thought system, had made it impossible for him to judge. He thought he had learned willingness, but now he sees that he does not know what the willingness is for. And now he must attain a state that may remain impossible for a long, long time. He must learn to lay all judgment aside and ask only what he really wants in every circumstance. Were not each step in this direction so heavily reinforced, it would be hard indeed. Ten. And finally, there is a period of achievement. It is here that learning is consolidated. Now what was seen as merely shadows before becomes solid gains to be counted on in all emergencies as well as tranquil time. Indeed, the tranquility is their result, the outcome of honest learning, consistency of thought, and full transfer. This is the stage of real peace, for here is heaven's state fully reflected. From here, the way to heaven is open and easy. In fact, it is here. Who would go anywhere if peace of mind is already complete? And who would seek to change tranquility for something more desirable? What could be more desirable than this? Thank you, Lee. And Sharon, are you able to read 10? Sorry, yes, I can read. Oh, great. Just have to get back to my computer. Okay. And finally, there is a period of achievement. It is here that learning is consolidated. Now, what was seen as merely shadows before becomes solid gains to be counted on in all, quote, emergencies, as well as tranquil times. Indeed, the tranquility is the result. The outcomes of honest learning, consistency of thought, and full transfer. This is a stage of real peace, for here is heaven's state fully reflected. Ah. From here, the way to heaven is open and easy. In fact, it is here. Who would go anywhere if peace of mind is already complete? And who would seek to change tranquility for something more desirable? What could be more desirable than this?
Yes, what could be more desirable than this? Floor is open. This is Sharon. Um, I just want to get this out of the way now because um, it's going to be on my mind. Um, there is, and I was away from my computer, busy doing other things to get ready for work, so I couldn't underline it, highlight it at the time. But um, let's see, Lee read it, and it, um, he talks about something taking a very long time. And um, I'm skipping through it to find it, but maybe somebody else can find it first. Um, that when the first time I read that, I thought, oh my God, I was so discouraged about going here about doing this, going here, about about this path, because it it seemed arduous. And but yet in fact the path I'm on in which I'm struggling with ego is arduous. And so I guess I guess what I'm saying to myself is the same to all of you is that either way, there's going to be difficulties because it, I am working with ego. I am working to undo ego with, of course, the help of the Holy Spirit and that I couldn't do without him. And yet, um, I need to get past this sense of, uh, like, for instance, period of unsettling in paragraph 9, that stage and um, and the one that takes so long. Um, I when I was preparing for this lesson or for this section, I just I thought we actually had the entire uh, much larger reading to do today. So I um, I skipped most of this because it just seems to be slogging on and on. So please help me with this. My I guess my attitude needs to be vastly adjusted. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. Oh, Sharon, I wish you, um, not that you get up at 2 o'clock in the morning, but on the um, the workbook call, we've talked about this pendulum swinging. And Bryce, if you're on, I'll turn it over to you because we had a great chat about, oh, I can't believe I'm saying this, that, that it's just the forgiveness of, of the whole experience. I think I'm complete. That actually helps. Thank you. Does that help? This is Ann, and I'm thankful that I'm not the only one. <laughs> you so are not the only one, and I'm so glad you're with us. This is Sharon. Yeah. Welcome, Ann. Hi, this is Paula. Thank you, Ann. Yeah, thank you. And because I'm going to have to jump off soon so I can go down to Unity. The very first line under the first characteristic of what it for an advanced teacher is trust it says this is the foundation on which this ability to fulfill their function rests it is it's trust if we fully trust to know that we are the children of God and trust the words we read and trust what Jesus keeps telling us through the text, through the workbook, through the manual, through our 
feelings through our experiences. Trust. That is the foundation of... And then they, all the other characteristics fall in. Honesty. All of them. All the ones that we're going to be covering the next few days. Gentleness, tolerance, joy, generosity, defenselessness. If we have that trust, that bedrock, that faith, then we can go forward so much easier. I mean, I say we, and maybe I'm not some of you there, but I know I question. I still do. Is my trust unwavering? Yes, there's times I can sit up and say, oh, yes. And then there's times when circumstances and events and what I'm perceiving that I value, you know, all the things Jesus tells us comes about. Do I really trust truly with my whole heart, my, give my life, my being? I question myself. I'm complete. Oh, thanks for that, Paula. Thank you, Paula. Thank you, Paula. Thank you, Paula. Paula, I know that trust is huge in this to make it all go much more easily and flow more easily. Thank you. This is Lee following right up on that, Paula. That was the same sentence that stood out for me in this reading. Trust is the foundation. In that same paragraph, he says, Teachers of God have trust in the world because they've learned it's not governed by the laws the world made up. It is governed by a power, I love that that's capitalized, which is in them but not of them. It is this power that keeps all things safe. It's through this power that the teachers of God look on a forgiven world. And he follows that by saying, when this power has once been experienced, it's impossible to trust one's own petty strength again. So we learn four very important things about that power in those sentences. Having told me that the world's not governed by the laws the world made up, that opens the way to understanding that the ego's thought system had persuaded me that the world was run by the laws the ego made up. Laws of karma, laws of chaos, laws of meaninglessness, laws that reflect fear. Trust is that opposite of fear. It's governed instead by a power which is in me, but not of me. That's number one. That power is in me, but it doesn't come from me. Secondly, I'm told it's this power that keeps all things safe. This power keeps all things safe. Thirdly, I'm told it's this power that allows the teachers of God to look on a forgiven world. That allows the teachers of God to look on a forgiven world. Lastly, I'm told, when this power has once been experienced, it's impossible to trust one's own petty strength again. Until that power is experienced, invited and experienced, 
it's impossible until that power is experienced. I'm getting a little feedback here. Anyone else hearing this? You're pretty clearly if it's not too much trouble. <laughs> yes, yeah, someone might not be muted. Well, hi, Ida, I'm listening. I wasn't muted, but now I'm going to mute. Sorry. Thanks, Ida. So when once this power is experienced as this fourth of the lessons about power, it's impossible to trust one's own petty strength again until that power is experienced. Each of us is left trusting our own strength. Very important to me, this, this introduction of a power which governs the world. That's the basis for this trust. Walking through these six periods, these six stages of developing trust can seem very daunting. It can, but if, um, if these things are read to pull from each of the stages all that's positive, then this section takes on a very hopeful and a very guided um, sense in which I realize I'm being led out of one thought system and into this other. And the consequence of the thought system being led to is a sense of perfect safety, where I'm a happy learner, where my instruction takes me out of my resistance to this trust, is dislodging the trust I have in myself and the belief I have in the world's version of the laws that govern it. It's relaxing into how safe and how guided every process is. One of those ways that he talks about that I'll have to relax into trust in how guided things are is when he talks about changes in external circumstances. In five, he says the plan will sometimes call for changes in what seem to be external circumstances. This is because I'm not yet at a point in which I can make the shift entirely internally. So I'm going to get help according to this plan that I've allowed to set in motion. The sentence that follows, I just need to take very deeply. These changes are always, always helpful. When I've learned that much, I go on to the second stage so that I don't forget that they're always helpful. He repeats it again in the second sentence of six. Having learned that the changes in my life are always helpful, I must now decide all things on the basis of whether they increase the helpfulness or hamper it. If I can accept that all changes in my external circumstances are guided, and that they're always helpful. Then this decision I need to make on the basis of whether they increase the helpfulness or hamper it is a decision internally as to whether I'm struggling against or trusting into. That's what will determine whether the changes are helpful to me on the immediate basis. Will I fight and resist or will I allow because I understand changes are always helpful? when they seem to happen to me, they seem to happen in what appears to be external circumstances. The very idea that they seem to be external circumstances 
tells me there's a connection to me. There's a connection to those external circumstances so that they, in a sense, are not actually external to me at all. Things are shifting. And that trust allows me to um, find my peace in the midst of change. At the end of six, he says, it takes great learning to understand that all things, events, encounters, and circumstances are helpful. What a profound sentence. It's only the extent to which they're helpful that any degree of reality should be accorded them. In fact, value can apply to nothing else. It's only the extent to which I recognize that all things, events, encounters, and circumstances, that would be without any exception. That's what he means by all. If I'm in a place in my mind where I've developed some trust, then I find that a greater and greater amount, unlimited, as my trust develops, a greater and greater amount of things that develop, I can trust into. That's how I value them. That's what value means. In the third stage, he highlights in the middle of that paragraph, this period of overlap is one to be, is one in which the teacher of God feels called upon to sacrifice his own best interests on behalf of truth. That can be the way it seems to me, the way it appears to me, as though what I'm giving up, I'm sacrificing. But I learn that I'm actually only giving up the valueless. I've invited a process. It will work according to the plan for me. And by trusting into it, I can learn that where I anticipated grief, I find a happy lightheartedness instead. Where I thought something was asked of me, I find a gift bestowed on me. This develops an increasing trust in this process. Each of these stages, when I first read them, I can highlight what seems painful or what seems fearful about these stages. But he's leading me to understand with trust, the stages will be understood and experienced quite differently. And I'll be um, able to recognize that I've settled into and rested into a process of my own correction, my own instruction. In eight, give up what you do not want and keep what you do. That's my whole way out. Be led to understand what's valuable and what's valueless and be prepared to give up what I genuinely do not want and be led to the understanding of what I do. I'll skip nine and go straight to ten. This period of achievement. It's here, he says, that learning is consolidated. Now what was merely seen as shadows become more solid gains to be counted on in all, quote, emergencies, as well as tranquil times. Tranquility is not a word that we see often in the Course. It's a profound peace. Tranquility, tranquility 
is the result of this consolidated learning, an actual experience of tranquility. It's the outcome of honest learning, consistency of thought, and full transfer of what I've learned. The more I learn that what I feared, when I see it differently, I can relax into. In one situation, the more I understand that's probably true in other similar situations. He's teaching me how to make my peace with life. This, he says, is the stage of real peace. For here is heaven's state fully reflected. Many of you have heard me say no one is in a hurry to leave a forgiven world. And in the next sentence is, is the best description of why that's so for me. From that point of my consolidated learning about the nature of trust and how deeply I can relax into it, he says the way to heaven is open and easy. In fact, it is here. Heaven is here. Who would go anywhere if peace of mind is already complete? Why would I not be content just with the gifts I've been shown and all that it affords me? If peace of mind is already complete, and who would seek to change tranquility or trade tranquility for something more desirable? What could be more desirable than to be led through this process past my resistance to the full invitation of an experience of trust? This is my favorite of the entire manual for teachers, so thank you everyone for letting me go on for a little bit. I'm complete. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. That was very helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. That was absolutely gorgeous. Beautiful. Thank you. Lee, that was huge. You totally, totally uh, helped me to rethink this. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Sharon. Thank you. Bryce, uh, I don't think we should go anywhere. I think we should stay right here in this section. Uh, as it says, it's going to be a long, long time. Now, you know, what's coming to my mind is uh, what, what we were talking about last night, Chris, and what was we, uh, Reverend Pam mentioned in the workbook call this morning, and it's just where are we uh, on the pendulum that really needs to be asked uh, for me. Where am I on this swing from from accepting my sinlessness, from accepting the atonement? Uh, How far am I from believing that all the power that I have is from God and there is no power in it on my how far am I from allowing that one lily of forgiveness to fully transform my resistance to trust, my resistance to trust? 
Because what this section says is there's every reason to trust and there's no reason except the one I have clung to. You know, I just, I have to just say that whatever resistance is in me to believing that my past is not the prerequisite for my faith in the ego and all of its nightmares. You know, uh, time is the amount of time it takes for me to accept everything that is being given to me in this section. That all that I value is completely resident when I give up the valueless. What is it me what is it in me that clings to my own valuelessness ultimately where I would have no faith in myself? Now that's the trick. That's the twist. That's for me the final death blow to the ego. And that's, for me, forgiveness. Forgiveness now and in any future instant that comes to me. But for now, and that's all I really have right now, I choose to believe. That's where I want to be on that pendulum. Now. And know that that is my natural state. Totally at the bottom of the curve where everything is given to me. And I accept nothing of myself at all except what is given to me. And the past and all that I gave myself, I recognize as just illusion, a dream, a nightmare of thinking I was something that I made up about myself. Thank God I'm not what I made up about myself. And there's a new self dawning on my mind completely free of the burden of anything. No burdens. Except to know I love myself. I do. And to know only that thought is true. Help me trust that the love given to me is the only me. I'm complete. Thank you, Bryce. Thank you, Bryce. Thanks, Bryce. Thank you, Bryce. This is Ann. And I think it's a wonderful thing that you said that you loved yourself. I think we should do that. (laughs) Say that more often during the day, out loud. (laughs) I am complete. So true. Thanks, Ann. 
Thank you, Anne. I like it. Thank you, Anne. It's good to hear you on the call. Um, thanks for your good thoughts and wishes. I don't have been able to check in check in with her yet this morning. Um, but I do want to say that um, the parts that we just read um, are one of my <laughs> always been one of my like top ten or whatever favorite parts of the course that the qualities or virtues of the teachers of God. And uh, I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. Thanks, Ida. Emma. And Ida. So this is Carl. Lee, I have to ask uh, why you uh, skipped commenting on paragraph 9, the period of unsettling. I was feeling like I was running over. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't feel that way. I'm sure no one else does either. If you have some thoughts, I'd love to hear them. Me too, Lee. Well, the sentence that had stood out for me in nine was uh, the second to last sentence. He must learn to lay all judgment aside and ask only what he wants, really wants, in every circumstance. There's um, a reflection of rules for decision in that sentence for me where um, I begin the day by determining what kind of day I want, settle on the, on the desire and the commitment to a day of peace and happiness, and recognize through the day when circumstances, based on how I feel, are challenging that peace, and then be willing to ask how it is that I've assessed a situation or a circumstance from the ego's perspective, so that as I ask for guidance um, by, not, my, by not releasing what the ego judges that situation to be, I'm not open to an answer. If I can remember that my desire in every circumstance is peace, then I'm able to release more fully how the ego sees that situation and ask to see that situation differently. And to do that, of course, um, I need to be willing to be guided out of the dream of judgment or lay all judgment aside and really deeply ask. And he says, all that I really learned by this stage is that genuinely I do not want the valueless and I do want the valuable. And he talks about my own sorting out process, which is all that I've ever relied on before my own sorting out process had been meaningless in teaching me the difference between what's valuable and what's valueless. So I'm willing at this stage to be guided in that and uh, willing to recognize that my guidance before under the direction of the ego um, had worked against my peace, had worked against um, this, this quality of trust that he's speaking of being developed. That's probably all I had on that paragraph. Thank you for asking, Carl. What do you see in that? Well, I too saw, uh, I thought of rules for decision, but I, but I also, um, you know, he, he talks about willingness here. 
he goes, he says, he thought he had learned willingness, but now he sees that he does not know what the willingness is for. And I just find that, uh, I find that uh, strange. Um, and maybe I don't even, maybe I don't understand what willingness is at all. I thought I did. Um, so it's kind of, it, it causes me to, to think uh, about willingness again, and uh, because I thought I had the willingness very clear in my mind what it was, and uh, you know, for me, willingness—I'll just willingness is at at the at the core of of being open to the Holy Spirit to be open and willing is for me the choice that I've made to allow that that allows the Holy Spirit to be heard in my mind you know we have free will and uh, I've chosen to be open and willing and that's kind of like for me, like the entry level, you've got to be open and willing. If you're not open and willing, then nothing's going to happen. And once you're open and willing, that's what starts the process. So that's what I think it is. And maybe I don't know what it is then. But anyway, I'm complete. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Carl. But Carl, I you know I got to say this again, guys. That I think the only way I know myself as separate from God is something on the level of the idea that I create an energy based in resistance somehow, and through that resistance to who I am, to what is perfect, to what is always for my good, there's this thing. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know I created it. I don't know how to spell it. I just know it thinks it's me by its nature of resisting. So if I let go entirely of the idea that resistance in any form is valuable, and I recognize that my lack of trust, my resistance, even what I think, Carl, perhaps is my quote-unquote willingness. My quote-unquote willingness is nothing more than completely giving up my idea in resistance at all. For me, Trust is only required because I have an idea of antitrust. And I spell it as in the past, made real through my guilt associations with what I think I've done that would make me guilty. And I think all of that, what Christ would tell me, is just false, just nothingness, just an idol in terms of 
not true, just something I've made up to be true so that I can have something of a self that I can identify with in some way. And I think that's what the tiny mat idea was that I needed to have a self-definition to be other than God. So I made myself lower and lower and lower and lower and lower so I could just give up ultimately the idea that I can be something other than what's given to me. And all my resistance is just something I make up that I throw into the mix of my mental thoughts that would give some elevation to myself in the anti of its wholeness, in the anti of its perfection given, in the anti quality that just, let's just say it's part of creation in me. It's just part of something I have to give up. I no longer desire it. I no longer believe in it. I no longer, uh, oh, I don't know, I, I just see this as the last of my fight. It's just the last of my fight in wanting to have an idea that I could miss the way. And I'm, I'm just going to go away, give up the idea that there's anywhere else I could go but to accept. I'm sorry, just to go on, guys. I just, I feel a death to what I thought was the death of me, which I was holding on in some way to to uh, to have some play in the resistance still. God, I just need to know everything's going to be all right. And I don't have to try anymore. Except to accept that everything's going to be all right if I just let what is be. I love you guys. i got to shut up now. Thank you, Bryce. Thank you, Bryce. And Carl, if you're willing to join us in the after call for a little bit, um, we'd love to talk a little bit more about willingness. Sure. In, in those several sentences. Absolutely, because uh, <laughs> this is so interesting. When, when, you, when I read, reread this sentence, he thought, I thought, I had learned willingness. And for me, another 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 word for willingness was was always a it's like a permission slip. Um, so my prayer is that I see that I learn and I understand what willingness is and what it's for. I'm complete. Thank you, Carl. It's Chris. Carl, I share that 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 same prayer with you because when I look back at the uh we'll call it the hot wire incident this week of you know I wonder am I really willing is is my you know because it's so clear when I was in that state just uh for anyone who doesn't know what happened I you know we've all been there where you're dealing with someone you know to resolve a situation in customer service they're just reading a script and I rolled into rage but the, the learning from this experience was I knew I was making the choice. So 
am I not willing? Or is it that hmm, my willingness is that I I'm just so used to not being in joy and in peace and the divine of myself that I don't even know where to look. I don't even know how to be willing, if that makes any sense. I'm complete. This is Ann, and yes, honey, that does make a lot of sense. God, I'm so thankful for you guys to this whole conversation today. I've just needed to hear this, <laughs> all this coming just today. Thank you, God. Thank you, Ann. Thank you, Ann. Thank you, Ann. Thank you, Ann. This is Ida. Um, Chris, I don't know the answer to your question about whether you really had willingness or if it was something else. But I do trust that if it's important for you to know, you will realize it at the right time, whether that's in the next second or 100 years from now. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Here's what I do know, that you are the most awesome teachers of God that I could have ever prayed or dreamt for. I'm complete. This is Ann. One more time. I think today is actually the fulfilling of what we've been reading about the universe sending people to us as we need them. And you guys have been what I needed today. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Ann. I'm so glad you're here. And it's so wonderful that you were on the call and this was an important day for you. I mean, it, it's no accident, I'm sure, that you're on the call and, and this is occurring. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. And you had asked and you were answered. So thank you for being here. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, I would say you're willing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wasn't watching the time. Does anyone, Apollo, you're driving. Mary, are you still with us? Do you have one of those gorgeous prayers that we always close with? Or anyone else? I'm sorry, I don't mean to just ask Paula and Mary. I do. Or I've been thinking about this blog I have from um, from Pathways of Light. It's a short It's about the truth about ourselves. We have a mission here. We did not come to reinforce the madness that we once believed in. Let us not forget the goal that we accepted. It is more than just our happiness alone we came to gain. What we accept as what we are proclaims what everyone must be along with us. Fail not your brothers or you fail yourself. Look lovingly on them that they may know that they are part of you and you of them. 
Thus does atonement teach and demonstrates the oneness of God's Son is unassailed by his belief he knows not what he is. Today accept atonement not to change reality, but merely to accept the truth about yourself. And go your way rejoicing in the endless love of God. It is but this that we are asked to do. It is but this that we will do today. Go in peace and love. I love you all. Amen. 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 Perfect. Thank you. Amen. Thank Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary. Mary.